Hello and welcome to The Lowdown, an insider's look at stories touching our lives here on Cape Cod and beyond. My name is Ira Wood, and you're listening to us on WOMR 92.1 FM Provincetown, WFMR 91.3 FM Orleans, and streaming worldwide on WOMR.org. Apologies are really important things. When we offer a good apology, that is, one with respect and sincerity, it creates an opportunity for a wounded relationship to mend and even regenerate. When we accept an apology, it enables us to feel acknowledged, to move past our anger, reconnect, and take down the emotional barriers we put up for protection. The trouble is, many apologies are just plain bad. Even recriminating, angry, defensive, forced, insincere. How many of us have received an apology that amounted to, I regret that you might have been offended because you're obviously very touchy about your weight, hair, age, religion, skin color. You can fill in the blanks. And in the era of viral social media, bad apologies can totally destroy a brand while good ones can garner loyal fans. Here at The Lowdown, we're all about sincere apologies And in an effort to learn what to include and what to avoid, we're talking to an apologies expert. My guest is author and columnist Marjorie Ingle, who, along with Susan McCarthy, is the co-creator of the popular blog Sorry Watch, which has been analyzing apologies in the news, history, and culture for over a decade. Today we'll be talking about their new book, Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. Marjorie Ingle, thank you so much for talking with us today. Ira, thank you so much for having me. So, Marjorie, if you're anything like me, you've screwed up a lot, and you've learned to make apologies the hard way. Is that the case? Can can you share your worst apology or maybe a bad one directed at you? Oh, uh, okay. Yes, I, I am not the world's best apologizer. This does <laughs> not come naturally to me. Uh, there are the one incident that still causes me shame at least once a day is a bad apology that I gave after my child and another child got into a fight. And uh, I felt very strongly that the other child was in the wrong. And I apologized in the world's most passive aggressive way uh, for, uh, I thought my child had hung up the phone and they had not. And I screamed something about the bad behavior of the other child and made the other child cry and then had to apologize to the child's oh, mother for making the child cry. Crying yeah. children, that is the it's worst. It's not good. <laughs> not good at all. So why why are apologies so important? Why can't we just screw up and move on? Uh, as you said in your beautiful introduction there, apologies um, are vital because uh, they are a healing bridge building force and they are really hard to do well because they make us vulnerable. They make us have to admit that we were not our best selves in any given moment. Um, and uh, you have to put yourself out there for rejection. Your apology might be rejected. Yeah, I, I um, went over what I learned from your book with my wife this morning, and I got 100% in making 
the worst apologies. I mean, I she just she just said, "Yeah, you touched every single base there." So I am really happy to report that this may help save my marriage. Um, super happy for you. <laughs> while some people apologize for everything, others find it very difficult to apologize. What's their problem? Do they always think they're right? Well, our brain is designed to help us always think we're right. Um, the way we survive and make our way in the world is by seeing ourselves as basically decent people and also as the hero of our own story. And to apologize well, you have to acknowledge that you are the bad guy in somebody else's story. And when our brains are faced with the kind of cognitive dissonance of, wait, I'm a good person. How could I have done a terrible thing? That doesn't make sense. We resolve the contradiction in our own favor. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, there were extenuating circumstances. Oh, but what they did to me was so much worse. Um, and if you have a really hard time leaping over that level of defensiveness, it's going to be really hard for you to apologize well. So, so what are the steps to making a really good apology? You tell us in your book that there are six of them, and, and let's run through the most important. So run us through a really good apology. Okay, so there are really six and a half steps. And step one, probably the most important, is use the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize. Don't talk about regret. Don't say, "You'd I'd like to apologize. Don't say, um, you know, I feel really terrible about, use the words, I'm sorry. What is the matter um, with saying regret? I, I really picked up on that in your book. Why is it so important to say I'm sorry rather than I regret? Okay. A good apology puts the other person's feelings front and center. And regret is about how you feel, not about how the other person feels. Um, I'm sorry is like a, is a present that you are giving to the other person. Um, and... Regret is, let me tell you about my own emotional state right now. <laughs> Sounds exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so the next one. So number one. two yeah. is um, say what you did. Uh, a lot, uh, par again, part of the avoidance uh, that we do when we're, you know, doing backbends to avoid sort of facing the thing that we actually did is we won't name the offense. And that's a thing you have to do. You can't say, I'm sorry about what happened last week. I'm sorry about the situation. Um, you have to say, you know, I'm sorry. I said I would empty the dishwasher and I didn't empty the dishwasher. And then you need to go on. You have to, number three, show that you understand why what you did was hurtful. Uh, look, I know you came home from work and you were really looking forward to just... Uh, you know, being able to relax. And I know how it stresses you out when you see the dishwasher open and all of the, you know, Tupperware out there just sitting there taunting you. Full of schmutz. Yeah. Full of schmutz. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then number four is you can offer an explanation if it's relevant, but here's the important part. Make no excuses. They don't want to hear it. It's not relevant. This is where I screw up every time with all of the extenuated circumstances. Uh, do not, you know, justify the thing that you did. What it if, just makes people angry. 
but you were so tired and the last thing you wanted exactly. to do. And, and, you know, you didn't do it last time either. And sometimes you. Oh, that's a good to... one. That's, yeah. That's really... <laughs> oh, I'm full of them. <laughs> uh, this is writing. This book has been uh, a humbling experience in looking at all of my own flaws here. Uh, number five is tell us the steps that you are taking to ensure that this won't happen again. Um, you know, I will put a little post-it on my computer saying, remember to unload the dishwasher. Uh, if you are, um, uh, I'm let, let, tell us the steps that you're taking. I'm trying to think of how to make it bigger for like uh, a public figure. Uh, sometimes that's, um, I'm going to rehab sometimes. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, I'm, I'm being funny and I'm not. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, sometimes it's, um, we've made a donation. Uh, no, that's a, that's six. Uh, tell us what we're, we're having um, DEI training for the entire staff when there's an offense. You know, the, the thing about these steps is they can work for a second grader. They can work for a spouse, a friend, a politician, or even a government. Mm-hmm. And and the one I like best and, and that I think that is, is your number six and a half step, and that is that you really have to listen. That's the hardest. Yes. Part. Yes. Uh, so we skipped six, which is make reparations if you can make reparations. Um, and then the six and a half is let the other person have their say, which can be extremely difficult, particularly if you are like I am a chime in, talk over people interrupt as a way of listening. Um, even when I'm not protesting, I tend to be uh, a chatterer. And especially when I'm nervous, I'm a chatterer. And the hard part of apologizing is making sure the other person feels heard and gets to have their say. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood and WOMR. And today we're talking about why apologies are so important and even more important, how to apologize the right way. My guest is Marjorie Engel. She's the co-author of Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. So, Marjorie, you tell us that when apologizing, it's very important to take ownership of the offensive action and not to use the passive voice. So we're going to have to remind people about their high school grammar and (laughs) tell us, remind us what the passive voice is and just unpack that whole thing for us. Uh, okay, so the passive voice is when you say um, mistakes were made. Uh, when you say uh, it's it's um, okay. So uh, th- I'm actually thinking right now about there's a professor named uh, Rebecca. I'm blanking on her last name right now, but she's uh, she taught her students. She came up with this way that she calls the by zombies method, and you know if you're using the passive voice if you can add the words by zombies to the end of a sentence and it makes sense. So you can say, if you say, I'm sorry, a toaster was dropped on your foot. You can add by zombies and that sentence makes sense. So if If you you add by zombies and the sentence makes sense, you have used the the passive passive voice. voice. Exactly. Whereas if I say, I'm sorry, I dropped a toaster on your foot. The by zombies wouldn't make any sense because I dropped the, it's clear that I dropped the toaster, not the zombies. Uh, so that's how you have to avoid the passive voice because 
that I mean, the fact that we could attribute the action to zombies tells you that you are not taking responsibility. I regret that your foot was where the toaster <laughs> fell on. Wouldn't exactly, exactly. Would so not how, work. Exact. That would that would be an extraordinarily terrible apology, Ira. <laughs> so there's a very there's a popular uh, uh, apology called the butt apology. I'm sorry, but and the but leads to excuses, right? I mean, you're just not... Correct. Okay, so run us through that. So there's, um, if if there's a sorry if, sorry if you were offended, uh, sorry, but you always, you know, sorry, but you have, but, you know, I always forget that you don't have a sense of humor. Mm, I like Uh, that one. Good. Right, there's sorry you, sorry you take offense so easily. Um, All of these are ways to turn the apology around on the listener and make it their fault. And they're, they're often a big attribute of um, gaslighting apologies that sometimes you hear an apology and you're like, why do I feel worse than before this person apologized to me? And it's because you got an apology like that. We also like the term apology shaped object, which is something that has the vague contours of an apology. And if you're not listening really carefully, you'll be like, oh, that person apologized. And then you realize, wait, no sorry, passive voice, uh, no taking responsibility. That's an apology-shaped object. Okay, how about this one? I'm sorry I said that your band sucks, but maybe if you practiced once in a while or turned down your amp or found a decent drummer, I wouldn't have to say that. Wow. Wow. Did I use yeah, all that, the bad you, ones in you, one? That, that was like that I nailed was it. Gold, gold star <laughs> terrible apology. <laughs> um. Here's one that really drives me crazy. Talk about the apologies in which the apologizer, I'm going to say, may accomplish you to death. In other words, makes you feel like you should be actually apologizing to them. Or as you put it, force the person you're apologizing to to endure a hyperbolic wail of self-hatred. Yes, which makes it all about you. And again, you see what we're coming back to is a good apology is about the other person. So we had an incident in our building here where one of my neighbors, uh, I live in a New York City apartment building and one of my neighbors, small building, and one of my neighbors had too much to drink and leaned on all the buzzers at four in the morning because she could not find her key. And I staggered downstairs and let her in. And she was just, I'm so sorry. I'm the worst person ever. I should die in a fire. And I was just like, you are now putting me in the position of having to placate and soothe you when I am so sleep deprived and angry right now. Just don't forget your key. Or if you're going to get your key, if you're going to get incredibly blotto drunko, please crash at somebody else's house. Did she know that she was apologizing to the diva of apologies? <laughs> Did she realize whose elbow, I, who, she, her I, buzzer, her elbow, whose buzzer the elbow like fell on? At that point, she would not have recognized her own name. So, no. <laughs> All right. So, I'm just going to follow this up with one quick question. Was she at least sheepish the next morning or the next time you saw her? Um, sh- yes, she okay. was. Uh, We had another, I had a, I I think, okay, Uh, we had another incident where we had a party and a guest had too much to drink 
and then wrote me a note afterwards saying that I was welcome to come to her house and throw up on her furniture. Oh, and um, yeah, that was that was too much information. You know, too much. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. Too much guilt. Yeah. Too much guilt. Yeah. So you really have to keep it. What I'm getting here so far is that you really have to keep it about the other person. You can't let your own feelings get into it. And you make a distinction in the book between shame and guilt. I wonder if you if you can tell us why that's important and and what's the difference. Yeah, we all screw up. It is normal to screw up. We should normalize screwing up and being able to say I'm sorry and being and forgiving. Um, shame is I am a bad person. Guilt is I did a bad thing. Um, there's really um, shame is something so deep rooted and difficult and sad um, that is a whole other book. But guilt is something that you can ameliorate by apologizing well. Um, you may not always be forgiven, um, but even if you aren't, like the, the great sage Maimonides said that if somebody won't forgive you, you have to apologize well three times and the third time you're off the hook and it's as if you didn't do the bad thing. So... Because um, then you're important. dealing with like a, a nut. Or then you're dealing with a person who is just so involved with themselves that, that... yes, yes. Or maybe you did something. Um, you know, I, I feel like apologies aren't to get out of jail free card. Uh, in some cases, literally. Like right now, I'm thinking about Harvey Weinstein, and you know, he could. There's no way he could apologize well enough to make up for the horrible thing that he did. But for the most things, I guess, that he did. But for most of us, a good apology is such a healing force. And I would also make a distinction between public apologies, the kind we love to, to make fun of and criticize on social media, and private apologies in our own personal lives between people we want to retain a relationship with. Um, it's, you know, it's really fun to lacerate terrible public apologies. But sometimes in our own private life, if we get a crappy apology, we can say, hey, I appreciate, I know that that was hard. I know it's hard to apologize and I appreciate it. But the thing that I'm really upset, upset about is why, hmm. you know, and you could please, can you, I, what I need to hear from you is Z. And that uh, is, you can, you can often elicit a better apology from somebody who's approaching you in good faith and wants to retain a relationship with you. Do you think apologies should be taught in school? Do you think there should be a lesson on apologies? It's funny. Uh, you can learn so much from children's classroom walls. And I have seen signs in classrooms saying, uh, number one, say you're sorry. Number two, uh, how can I fix it? Number three, I won't do it again. And then number four, which is the one that I have a little bit of an issue with, is do you forgive me? Uh, we don't think that you should ask for forgiveness because forgiveness is a gift to be granted and it's rude to ask for a gift. You can say, I hope you'll be able to forgive me or I hope I can earn your forgiveness. But um, otherwise, I think that even little kids can learn. And I think that there's something called the responsive classroom, which is a particular way of looking at education, of making sure that people, that everybody feels seen and heard in a classroom. And um, I love 
that notion of teaching kids to apologize early because most of us didn't learn when we were kids. We didn't we didn't really see it modeled by our parents a lot of the time. And um, nobody taught us how to do it. And it's just like any skill, like tying your shoes, um, you know, learning to wipe your butt. You learn to apologize. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing until I saw your book. I mean, I didn't realize that there was a there really were steps and a science to it. If, if you're just joining us, you're listening to The Lowdown with Ira Wood, and today we're talking about healing the world by making sincere and thoughtful apologies. My guest is Marjorie Engel. She's the co-author of Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. Um, One of the reasons I've always thought that people were reluctant to apologize was the fear of prosecution, really. Isn't, isn't an apology an admission of guilt in a legal sense, so that's why a lot of people are afraid to apologize? Um, that's a really interesting nuanced question. We have a whole chapter looking at corporate apologies and another one looking at governmental apologies. Um, the thing, so in so we often think about medicine and the, the fact that doctors have often given us such terrible apologies in the past. Um, the Harvard hospital system did a report on apologies in medicine and found that when people, when doctors apologize well and take responsibility, the likelihood of a patient suing in the case of some kind of accident or wrongdoing goes way down. And when there has been a good apology, if something does go to a jury, jury verdicts tend to be a lot smaller than if there weren't a good apology. So, um, I think a lot of the time lawyers have made us think that apologizing well in a way that takes ownership gets you in trouble. But one thing that we do know throughout the book is that bad apologies are worse than no apologies. They make people angry. And what people want in the case of a bad medical outcome or a medical error is to feel like their pain meant something. And if there are now I'm blanking on which Scandinavian country it is, I think it's Sweden, but there is a process in place where the doctor sits down with the patient or the family and says, I'm sorry, here is what happened. Here are the steps we're taking to make sure this never happens to somebody else. And then they offer a, ver uh, they offer a finan financial compensation right in the room. And it's not a big amount of money, but because what people want is to feel heard and that their suffering wasn't needless, um, people tend to not only accept the financial settlement, a small one, but feel good about it. One thing that you emphasize is that if you're not sorry, you should not apologize. But you do encourage us to listen to the aggrieved party. Have I got that right? You do. And sometimes it's good if, you, if you're like, I know they're mad at me and I'm not going to apologize. Sometimes it's good to have a good friend with whom you can just have a reality check saying, you know, hey, this happened. Do you think I'm in the wrong here? Am I crazy? And sometimes they will tell you, uh, yes, you are in the wrong and you should apologize. And sometimes they will say, no, you're correct. And um, sometimes you may choose to apologize uh, even if you don't really feel sorry because you know you value the other person and you know they need to hear it. But even then, I would be really careful about how you apologize. Is there something that you actually do feel bad about? Like, uh, 
you know, I am sorry for ruining, you know, for ruining dinner. Um, you know, meaning, you know, I, we had a fight at dinner and I'm not sorry about the things that I said in the fight because I believe them, but I am sorry that we were supposed to have a nice night out and, you know, by getting into it, I destroyed that night out. So you give us in the book a couple of, um, there's two that stand out to me, and maybe you can describe them for us. One is the very, very famous Ellen DeGeneres uh, apology, <sighs> which yeah. is actually, and the other one, so so we don't have a lot of time, but what did Ellen DeGeneres and everybody, she had a toxic show. People were treated badly on her show. What did she do wrong to actually make the situation worse and we can I actually learned from that so tell us what what she did wrong that actually got her kicked off TV uh she did not take responsibility she said things happen she really used the things happened that I wasn't aware of construction um there were something like 83 counts of uh uh sexual abuse and harassment and um uh, all kinds of bad stuff. And people had stories about her too. I think we all remember that a lot of celebrities came out with stories about Ellen. Um, so she never addressed her own culpability in any of this. She pretended to be, she said she was totally unaware of all of these things. Somehow the workplace environment changed. I wanted this place to be a place of total happiness. <laughs> and then she joked about her nickname being the be kind lady. And, you know, well, if you're going to pick a nickname for yourself, I would suggest not picking the nickname Be Kind Lady. And like, ha, 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 that's so funny that you aren't kind. And, you know, like it, it was very tone deaf. And so many people tuned in to hear her apology. And then so many people tuned out of the show afterwards. And I think it took about four months for it to be canceled after just hemorrhaging ratings. Just really turned people off. And then there's one apology that was a corporate apology that that was that really stood out to me. And that was Johnson and Johnson owned a, a smaller company that canceled a popular tampon. And people were <laughs> furious. And yet tell us about tell us how Johnson and Johnson righted the ship. Uh, so one thing is they they actually brought the tampon back into production, which is the thing that people really wanted. But they apologized and they made this was um, in the early aughts and it was the early days of being able to make personalized videos. And so you could go to a YouTube link and this sort of semi hot guy would sing you a love song about, you know, feeling sorry. We apologize and we know you love this tampon. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then at the end, there was a coupon for the tampon. Uh, so it was a pretty humor is really an underrated tool in apologies if you can fine tune it perfectly. And that one just hit it dead on exactly right. So we haven't got much time, but in the book, you write extensively about accepting apologies, about forgiveness. So in a nutshell, you don't have to forgive. You can take no. your time and think about it. But the long in the long run, it is good for you, right? To forgive? If you can do it. If it is not an unforgivable offense. I worry about the pressure to forgive sometimes is about what they call spiritual bypassing, which means not doing the work of, you know, the person who wants forgiveness doesn't really 
work to, to earn your forgiveness and your friends around you may urge you to forgive. And yes, forgiveness is great for your immune system, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your sleep, but only if it is doable. And I feel like putting pressure on yourself to forgive something unforgivable is also not healthy for you. It brings up some people just just won't forgive. I'm 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 reminded of of Joseph Kennedy saying about his son Bobby Kennedy, when Bobby hates you, you stay hated. I <laughs> I always remember that. So we are out of time. And how do I um say I'm sorry for running out of time because I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoyed your book and I learned a lot. So you owe me no apologies at all because I had a great time. Okay. So today we've been talking about making and accepting apologies. I want to thank Maddie Dunn for his tech work on the show. Sorry, Sorry, Sorry was recently published by Gallery Books, which is an imprint of Simon & Schuster. This is Ira Wood with the lowdown on saying you're sorry and doing it right. One interview at a time. Bye for now. <laughs>